0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next interview. I'm really excited today because we have J.L. Fields in the house. (laughs) I'm excited about this because not only have I known J.L. for years, we've been able to do projects together. We actually did a vegan professional boot camp. Years ago. It almost feels like eons ago. Um, In Colorado, we've also done a myriad of things together. um, And we've just been trying to stay in touch all these years, but we were just realizing during the catch-up session that it's almost been three years since we've seen each other. So I hope everyone indulged me a little bit. I'm going to use this session as a way to even catch up with (laughs) JL. Allow everyone else to make sure you're catching up with all the action because JL is not only just an amazing pillar in our community, really what just blows me away from what JL is doing is she just has so many ways that she's driving impact. You know, whether it's through consulting, whether it's from being a health coach, whether it's writing. Books, cookbooks, oh my goodness. How many do you have now, JL? Nice. Seventh came out last month. <laughs> Seven cookbooks. Um, and with our last cookbook coming out last month, we will cover that as well. So many of you that are maybe um, cookbook buyers like myself, we will talk about that so you can get your hands on it as well. And I'm really just excited to not only catch up with JL, but talk about pivoting. Um, JL has been doing this for a while, like myself, so has a good amount of spirit of experience Excuse me around What it takes to kind of ebb and flow, what it takes to fulfill your passion, and also what it takes to know when to keep working on something, and when that passion has been fulfilled, and it's time to pivot to something new. So we're going to cover a ton of topics today. Um, I hope everyone is buckled in and ready to go. And let me just say a warm welcome to JL. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh,
1: thanks for having me, Stephanie. I miss you so much. I can't believe you just took me back to that Colorado workshop. That was amazing. Proof of what Vegan Mainstream does, by the way, because that brought together a group of people that weren't getting in the room together. And um, and it really demonstrated that we have more in common than not. And it was a perfect example of collaboration. And so I'm so glad you took me back down that memory lane. It's good to see you. Oh, it's
0: great to see you as well. And yes, I think collaboration is really the key, even as we think about moving forward with many of us kind of running our businesses differently, many of us mm. trying different things. I think we really should be looking at kind of the collaborative future in 2020 and maybe even 2021 as not only a great way to grow, but a great way to kind of work together to move kind of veganism forward to make those bigger impacts. But before I get all excited and start talking about 2020 and beyond, let's anchor ourselves. Maybe give everyone a little bit of background in case there's like two people in the world that haven't met JL yet. (laughs) Um, Let's just give them a little bit of background. How long have you been vegan? And um, maybe give us a little bit of background on your original vegan journey. Okay, I'll do the
1: short version. I love that we all have our story, you know, and some of them can be more dramatic than others. So I'm going to tell you, I've been vegan for 10 years. And that wasn't a dramatic transformation. It was the vegetarian transformation 18 years ago, when I was in Africa opening a safe house for girls. I was running a nonprofit organization. That was my life before I became a crazy vegan pro. And uh, uh, there was a wonderful celebration. We were in the Rift Valley in uh, Kenya. And part of that celebration included a male elder bringing a, a goat into the celebration and uh the goat was slaughtered and then stewed and served for dinner and at that point i was a meat and potatoes gal from the midwest living in new york traveling to africa and i ate the goat and i became a vegetarian after dinner and uh luckily for me my husband did all the cooking back then so i gave him a, i rang him up from the airport on my way to south africa said honey um I'm a vegetarian. And by the time I got home, Dave was taking care of everything. But oh, uh, eight years after that, you know what, I just, you know, kind of, I guess, had that evolution that people have. Although truthfully, I was doing a nutritional cleanse. It was back when I dieted it all the time. And I was doing this cleanse where I did no dairy, no alcohol, no sugar, no, I don't know, other things that I loved, wheat. Uh, I gave things up for like 16 days and realized mm-hmm. I'd been vegan for 16 days. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm a vegan. So it was a little less dramatic, but uh, but that's That's kept, I've stayed that way.
0: (laughs) That's the key. And also I think the key is you, you got on the path. I think for a lot of people, you don't have to have this crazy over the top story. The idea is that you're here and not even just that, What you've done with being here, with being a part of the community. Um, And I think the the dramatics and the excitement is also around just the great work you do. So let's give everyone a little bit of background. Let's just break it down a little bit of where you kind of have your, let's say, say, irons in the fire. Just give them a little bit of breakdown on the type of work you do, and maybe what an average week or day in JL's life is like.
1: Okay. So, um so for perspective, you know, I, I did for, when I, when I became a vegan, I was working in my, what I call my other life, you know, that I'd been doing for years and years, which is I have a master's degree in college student personnel administration. I'd worked in the nonprofit sector and in the higher education space for 25, 30 years. And then I became a vegan and I started a blog as people did back then. And, uh, <laughs> and I, uh, was kind of just writing this blog as a 45 year old woman who's gone vegan suddenly is cooking again because, spoiler alert, my husband quit cooking as soon as I went vegan because he's like, I don't know what to do with that. So um, this is all significant because it is what led up to what my business became and how it's evolved over the years, which was essentially, I was far more into the veganism than I was um, with the work that I was doing on a day-to-day basis. At, At my last position in my old life, I was a senior fundraiser at the college level. And that's not what was sparking joy for me. And that was not what was my passion. My passion was grabbing my laptop, walking into the faculty and staff lounge, and writing my blog posts. And so I started tapping into what was interesting to me. So I started going to conferences, which I believe the first time you and I met was at b 2 b So yeah, so I went to a vegan blogging conference. And uh, there I met Jenny Messina, who at the time was the author, co-author of Vegan for Life with Jack Norris. And I, I just admired her so much because her website, The Vegan RD helped me go vegan and like figure out how to eat healthfully and by doing these networking things of going to conferences because I wanted to be a better food writer, taking cooking classes because I wanted to learn how to be a better cook, and then write about that on my website, uh, those networking, uh, almost anything that's happened in my career, ever has been because is relate, directly related to networking and to being vulnerable and to being open and to taking a risk and shaking the hands of a stranger. And uh, I say that because Jenny Messina wrote to me several months after we met at Vida uh, That was in 2011. And she invited me to co-author a book with her called Vegan for Her. And I said yes. And then I was so into that process that I decided to take a huge risk and I quit my job. And I decided I was going to try to make a go at being a, a I guess a solopreneur, I believe I remember you calling it that, where I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew it was going to be services. I didn't want to be a company. I wasn't um, selling a product. I just wanted to take my vegan passion and turn it into what I do on a daily basis. And my hope was that every day I would either be doing something to pay my mortgage Or I'd be doing something as a volunteer, but that it would always be vegan. It would always feed my soul. And I wouldn't know when I was making money and when I was being a volunteer, but it would be irrelevant because it would work out. And that's kind of how my
0: business started. Perfect. I love that because not only did you show that, you know, sometimes these things take time. You know, everyone thinks I meet someone, um, you know, you start the process from networking and two days later... It blooms. Sometimes it's like seeds. They have to grow over time. So I really love the fact that, you know, it took a little bit of time for you guys to get it to, to get together and write the book. But I love that the book became something that allowed you to make that leap, to make that kind of jump into, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm dedicating myself to either volunteering or helping people or being serviced. So let's fast forward. Let's get into 2020 and talk about a little bit. Of where you were. Where were you in January and February? What was life like? Um, wow. how was things flowing? You know, <laughs> we're, we're in dreamland, maybe we're closing yeah. our eyes <laughs> and remembering when. <sighs> Let's walk people kind of through what life was like then, and then we'll we'll jump into your pivot. Yeah, wow. Doesn't it seem like a
1: lifetime ago? It does. Uh- <laughs> I was actually doing, um, some accounting last night and it was really interesting to see the difference between January and February and then what happened later. Um, so, you know, just so people kind of understand where my business went, uh, I, I started to teach cooking classes. I started writing cookbooks. I was doing vegan lifestyle coaching. I went through the main street vegan Academy and over the last eight years, what I did really evolved to the point where, um, where my major emphasis was, was teaching classes through the Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy. That's where I'm based, Colorado Springs. I have been on the faculty at the University of New Mexico in the culinary program. I teach chefs how to te- cook vegan. And uh, and I consult with brands like Shark Ninja. Um, I help them uh, test out their new uh, ninja foodies. So that was kind of like the bread and butter of my work. Write cookbooks, teach people how to cook, do private coaching, and do chef consulting. So all those things were happening until January. (laughs) And so January and February, I was doing my thing. I was finishing up one cookbook, Vegan Baking, um, which recently came out. I um, had done two huge fundamentals of vegan cooking classes. I do them every January. Had to repeat it in February because it was so popular. So six hour hands on cooking class where people just learned the basics of vegan cooking. And then in February, things started looking weird. I was teaching classes and I started watching the news because I knew that with my food and the work that I was doing, I was going to be impacted by uh, any closures. And then our governor made an announcement in March that our classes or that, you know, that we were closing down as a state. Um, mm-hmm. and so I obviously my, all of my connections are in the food and beverage industry in Colorado Springs professionally saw what they were doing. So I was like, well, my cooking academy is closing. So, um, I was just busily writing cookbooks and teaching classes. And then, uh, the classes stopped <laughs> yes. momentarily. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So when classes stopped, first off, before we talk about your pivot, how did it feel? Because I think for a lot of people, we we forget that as entrepreneurs, yes, we can push forward. Yes, we can show that resilience. But sometimes we have those mental states, those places that we have to go to. And for at least for me, and you can tell me if you feel differently, sometimes you got to feel that loss. Sometimes you have to grieve those changes in your business so that you can move on. I don't know. Did you have that experience? Did you kind of feel like, oh, now that life is changing, how do I deal with how I feel about it not just what do I do about it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes, I did feel those things. And I have to say, when you give yourself the space to feel feel those things, it actually could be the thing. And for me, was the thing that helped me go forward in a totally different way. And And I'll tell you, so in February, I got really sick one Friday night. Like I was at a party and all of a sudden I, I, I still think like, did I have like, was there a 36 hour COVID? I don't know. Got really sick, left a party, uh-huh. felt horrible. Um, went to bed with chills. There's There's, there's going to be a point to this, I promise. With chills, you know, fever, all the things. My business model for my cooking academy has been that I teach two classes a month. One is free and mm-hmm. one is fee-based. And that was so that I could feed my volunteer activist soul and then I could feed my professional soul. Mm -hmm. The relevance of this is that that Saturday morning, I had 75 people signed up for my monthly free class. And when I woke up in the morning, I realized I literally couldn't teach it. Mm -hmm. I have never canceled a class in my life. So I'm like headache, I'm in pain, and I'm like writing a note so my husband can go put it on the door. I'm trying to send emails to anybody who registered in advance. I'm putting notices on meetup. I'm putting notices on Facebook. And I was crushed because not only did I feel horrible, I was sick. Mm-hmm. I was crushed because that is what feeds my soul, getting up in front of 75 people, most of whom aren't vegan, to help them go home and cook in a different way that could could save and change the world for animals. Crushed. Yeah. And I'm so glad I had that experience because I felt that loss that day. And then three weeks later, our state closed down. Yeah. And I had to stop what I was doing. And there was something about that, like I already knew what that felt like, that I was able to, to move into that. Um, and in that moment of oh my gosh, I can't teach my classes anymore. I, I, I felt the sadness and I immediately thought that can't be true. There's got to be a way. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that's so important. I think we we try to avoid sometimes the pain we try to avoid the the bad you know if I could put that in quotes, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we forget that that's a part of the process that allows us to be stronger when we're hit with that next adversity when we're hit with that next disappointment or challenge. So I'm really glad that you shared that story. so if anybody's watching and even now you're still struggling, even with some states opening states closing, things are going back and forth mm-hmm. for many people in their states. Um, that you kind of move through that emotion, allow yourself to feel it, but also know that this prepares you for that next moment. It makes you stronger and really makes you kind of hit that resilience um, stage that I think is just amazing for all, all entrepreneurs to be able to, to achieve. So as we talk about pivoting, let's talk about what you did. I mean, for many of us, we were probably on your email list, so we might be familiar with just the wonderful gift you gave to the world during the time that we were all shut down and shut in so maybe give everyone a little bit of insight on what you did kind of as your immediate reaction and then what you did as you moved forward and maybe moved out of that immediate reaction to something that was a little more sustainable so i uh did something very impulsively which is you know i I
1: talked about how i just felt like i'm losing what feeds my soul being around other people and getting them excited about vegan cooking and, and vegan living. And so our governor made an announcement, I believe it was on a Friday that the state was going to shut down, uh, on that Monday, uh, vegan pantry basics. So if we're all stuck at home, we're cooking out of our freezer or our pantry. And I threw up a zoom link, said the class is free. And it was on a Sunday at one o'clock, my time, mountain time. And Stephanie, (laughs) 300 people tried to come to my class but I didn't know anything about zoom and did not realize that I was paying for like the cheap version. So I only could handle a hundred people. So 200 people couldn't get into my class. A hundred people were there and it was so much fun. I had no idea what I was doing. I don't have a fancy camera, I don't have fancy lighting. I do not have a fancy kitchen. And I just did it. And I realized that I was doing what my books do and what I do in my cooking classes, which is just maybe I'm an elevated uh, home cook because I've spent some time on this. But it worked. It was fun, and I knew I was on something. And I just asked at the end of the class, do we want to do this again next week? And everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I knew I was on to something. I had some obstacles to overcome after that, of course, and but awesome. I knew that there was a need, and I knew that it also fed my soul.
0: Yes. And what you also showed, at least in my mind, is you showed that they, your audience could do it. You know, I think sometimes when we make it too glitzy and glamour and it looks like it's super polished sometimes we feel like we're, our audience feels like we're too far away from them. Like we're not, it's not obtainable what we're teaching them. So when you can show that, Hey, this is my kitchen. I got the camera. Even when you, you know, bump the camera and it shakes and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those kind of experiences help us feel not only relatable, but I really think that helps the people that we teach. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So you did the free classes. You did that for what? About sixteen weeks? Is I ended up doing
1: it for sixteen weeks. Um, But I will say that you know I realized I needed a bigger Zoom room, and that was going to be an expense. So now I'm offering free classes. I don't have my cooking academy, but this is going to cost me money. So I chose to be vulnerable. Um, Mm -hmm. Although I'm lucky that some of my friends uh, pushed me to that place. So I was on Facebook, on my personal Facebook, and it wasn't a public announcement. I just said. you guys, I did, I did this class today and I'm heartbroken. 200 people couldn't get in. And someone said, well, you should like try to have people give you tips. And at first I was like, it's ridiculous. And then I was like, Oh, well maybe I could do that. But wait, how do I do that? And then, um, I thought, okay, well maybe I'll try that. So I did started doing some Googling and found some way to do a PayPal thing where, whatever. I won't get into Mm -hmm. the details, figured it out. So I put something on my Facebook, on my, uh, on the, on on my professional ones. And I said, so I'm going to keep doing this. And I've decided if you want to give me a tip, you can, and maybe I'll start asking for that, but these classes are going to be free. And people started tipping me for the class that I had done on Sunday. And there was a person in Boulder who messaged me and she's like, I'd like to, you know, do you take Venmo? She asked if she could go a different way. And I said, yes. And I just say this because we're talking about business. And when people don't talk about money, I think that's so freaking weird. We're talking about business. Yeah. She Venmoed me $1,200. Wow. And yeah. And I was like, I, mean, I didn't see I, that one coming. <laughs> no, me, I, 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 I have goosebumps every time I say it. Me neither. Like I was like, what? Yeah. And she had taken my class and she venmo she's like, so you can get a bigger zoom room. And I did. And, um, and so then every Sunday I kept doing, I I said, I'm going to keep doing these until we're all like, you know, we're all locked in. So let's just keep doing this for a while. So every Sunday at one o'clock mountain time, I did a free class and, um, I recorded it all but one, I forgot to do one. And, um, so then I would have the videos after, and Mm -hmm. then I would ask for tips and people gave me enough tips to. Like make it worth my while and also make it so that people could uh, take the class for free. And And so I ended up doing 16 pandemic cooking classes is what
0: I called them. I love that because to your point, when we're talking about business, we have to pay attention to the financials. Yes, we want to give things away. Yes, we want to support our community, but we still have to be able to afford these things. We all were in totally different situations. Like you said, your cooking classes, you weren't able to do that. Revenue was gone. Right. So beautiful. well, then
1: what people forget, Stephanie is like the cooking class. Cause it's a mess, right? It's a hot mess in my kitchen. And I think that's why people keep showing up. It looks like they were in class for an hour, sometimes two hours cause I'm chatty, mm-hmm. but I was in my kitchen for three hours before it started. Yeah. Um, and two days before that I was working on the recipes and I was getting stuff from the grocery store delivered cause I wasn't going to grocery stores. And then I was in my kitchen for an hour and a half afterwards cleaning. And so I was spending a day to do a one hour or two hour class when it comes yeah. down to it. And so it felt like my, my time was valued, which I really appreciated. And then the other thing is I still pay for the rent for my cooking academy. Like my, none of my expenses as an entrepreneur stopped. I still, I had more money to pay for Zoom. I'm still paying for Canva. I'm still paying for Adobe. I'm still paying my monthly website fee. I'm paying for my web guy. And so I think that's what people forget too. Like, oh, well, you're not doing your cooking classes. So you also don't have expenses. Nope. The only expenses I didn't have was paying my assistant or buying the ingredients for my cooking classes. And so, yeah, it was like, I think we forget that um, when businesses close, that doesn't mean that the the financial side of things just stopped and we're just sitting around eating bonbons and, you know, hanging out.
0: Absolutely. We still have to figure out how to make, as they say, make ends meet. So yeah. once you moved from the pandemic classes at the end of those 16 weeks, where did you go next and how did you find your way to that? This, I love this
1: because it didn't happen quite that in that linear fashion, I feel like something started to reveal itself during the online classes. One was that there was a core group of people who kept coming every Sunday and they were my people. Like, like we would talk to one another, you know, like in the chat with zoom, Mm -hmm. whatever. But, um, so I would ask questions like, I'm like, okay, you guys, do we want to have a class 4th of July weekend? Or, and I would just like think out loud and I was like, or can I have a weekend off? Cause I'd realized I like hadn't had a weekend off since March and they were like, take the weekend off. We're fine. So it's like, it was like we as a team decided that we wouldn't have a class 4th of July weekend. And that was just like, so heartening to me. And then um, when we resumed, I said, you guys, so I've been thinking about this. So before with my cooking classes in Colorado Springs, people on my social media pl- uh, platforms would leave messages. Like I saw your announcement for your next class. I'm so jealous. I wish I could go. I live in Maine why don't you do online classes? And I would say, I don't have the capability. I don't have the kitchen for it. I don't have the equipment for it. I was never going to do online cooking classes. And then suddenly I was doing online cooking classes and over a hundred people were coming every Sunday. So I was like, okay. So then I said to folks, I said, you guys, so I've been thinking, uh, people are getting out, you know, states are opening up. And I can't keep doing this every Sunday, but I do want to keep doing cooking classes. So I've been toying around with this idea of like, what if people needed a free class? It could be free but if you wanted to pay, you could, I said, I don't even know how to do that yet. I'll try to figure it out. But would you be interested? Yes, yes, yes. In the zoom chat. Yes, yes. 100%. Yes. So it was like, it was a decision. It was a community decision that we were going to continue this. And so then I did announce after, um, my 16th class was a book party for my vegan baking book. And I was actually in Illinois. did it for my sister's kitchen And that was the last of the free classes that were still are still available on YouTube. And then we transitioned into what I call my sliding scale classes. And so now twice a month, I'm doing cooking classes and I, you know, did a little research, found a plugin for my website and I can do a sliding scale class. And so I make a suggested fee of $10. But you can pay whatever you want. And some people pay zero. Some people pay 150. Some people and most people pay 10 or pay five or pay 15. Mm-hmm. And it's working. I, um, I've done this, uh, twice. I have two more scheduled and I'm going to keep doing it. So suddenly I'm doing what I've been doing before. Many of my costs have gone down because, you know, I'm sad that I can't pay my assistant anymore. I can't have her in my house. Um, but, uh, but my ingredient cost has gone down. Uh, my time is still being you know compensated, and I'm able to teach free classes in in my volunteer role mm-hmm. and people from all over not just the u s but Canada and Italy and Israel because uh, I had to change on my website so people from outside of the u s could pay for my classes and so it worked, you know so that's yeah. what I'm doing and I'm doing it for um the short and midterm for sure i ha- I have no intention of teaching in-person cooking classes in 2020. We have way too much of this unknown. I have family members who are immune compromised. And so I'm doing what feeds my vision, my mission, and my soul. And I'm reaching more people as a result.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's amazing how this has been a tough time. This has been hard, but also there are glimmers and sparks and opportunities that have been revealing themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just love hearing your story. And especially if others are listening, is that I don't want people to miss that just because they're, it's I'm not, I don't want to, you know, misquote the difficulty, but I don't want people to turn themselves off from the possibilities and from the options that might reveal themselves to you. Mm-hmm. If you're being a little courageous, if you're not willing to ask, You know, And like you said, ask your community, ask people that show up, would you be willing? Are you interested in this? And sometimes we can discover so many different things, not only in our business, but things that just help the world in a better way. Absolutely. And you can still be sensitive to what's happening. I mean, people have lost their job. It's a horrible
1: time right now. There are Mm -hmm. people at home because they're very, very sick. Or their home because they're so immune compromised, they would get sick if they left their home. There are yeah. people who aren't working. And so there is a way. And that's why I feel really good with this, which is like if you don't like don't feel bad, put zero when you register, it's fine. That's why I'm doing it. And there are other people who can and are paying for it. And that's why we're a community. And so you can think about all of those things and that's not it. And there's, so there's a way to be sensitive to the times of the world and put your business thinking cap on as a way to, to do the best you can with what we have right now.
0: Absolutely, I just love how you said that, man. We have been chit-chatting and talking. I just looked at the time; um, having been too much fun together. Um, one thing I wanted to do is, we did have a question that popped up a little bit off topic. It was more about, you know, um, a quick question we had from Clyde that said, you know, can heart disease really be reversed with a low-fat diet, whole food plant-based? You know, as it's been demonstrated by many of our vegan um, doctors out there, Esselstyn, Ornish, and so forth. I don't know, JL, if you want to opine on that or share anything um, about that.
1: Um, It's a great question. And while I have opinions on it, I'm not a nutritionist or RD. And I make a point to say that because there are lots of people who have lots of opinions about your health that are not qualified to tell you that. So what I would suggest is that you actually turn to the source and you do your research. And you, um, and, and you determine that there is lots of science that is indicating that some diseases can be prevented and reversed as a result of a plant-based diet. And so do the research. The, the resources that I really turn to and uh, appreciate are, uh, Jenny Messina. Her website is the theveganrd.com and Jack Norris. Uh, they are uh, registered dietitians, they're nutritionists, they're vegans, and they look at the science and they don't over promise. And the reason I want to end with they don't overpromise is to say that I don't teach vegan cooking classes to tell people that if they go vegan, or plant based, that they'll never die that they'll look 30 when they're 70, um, and that they'll reverse a disease. Some things could happen. Uh, What will always happen is that animals won't be harmed. um, And that you will be, um, if you are trying to live a vegan life in which you believe in justice for all, you will be able to live and eat your ethics as a result. So that's my answer to that question.
0: Perfect. I'm just going to add one thing. There's also a vegan cardiologist in Houston, Dr. Baxter Montgomery. He actually has a facility where he sees individuals and supports them as Well, so just echoing JL's point, you know, connect with the experts. Um, Obviously, Ginny, I have a special place in my heart for her. She was on the Board of Veg Fund um, when I came on the Board of Veg Fund. Um, So I'm very familiar, obviously, with her and her work, um, and obviously Jack Norris's work too. But I just wanted to throw in Dr. Montgomery since he is a cardiologist in case you're looking for something specific. Clyde just wanted to give you that. Um, recommendation. So JL, as we're wrapping up our time today, do you want to just talk a little bit about your new book? And then I don't know if we're giving out spoilers about maybe a next book in the works. I don't know if you, you, can you physically grab your book? Is it too far away from you? Are you kidding? I have my babies next to me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just show everyone. cookbook oh, there
1: it is. and maybe
0: give them a little bit of background on yes. why buy this one. Why buy this one?
1: So, well, don't you think it's kind of crazy that all winter long before the pandemic hit, I was writing a vegan baking book and then suddenly the pandemic happens and everyone is growing a sourdough starter and like making bread from scratch. And so like, I don't know, the universe, I was talking to but the reason I wrote um, vegan baking for beginners is uh, because I'm not um, a trained baker or pastry chef and actually a bit of a hack and was really scared of it, which I think a lot of people are. And so there were two audiences for this book. This book was designed for people who are brand new vegans or thinking about vegan and they have no idea how to bake without eggs and milk um, and all kinds of dairy and animal products but also for people who have been vegan for a very long time and know how to do all of those things, but they don't think they know how to bake. So it's very basic. It is not a health book. It's not a diet book. It's not a gluten-free book. It's, got sugar and flour and vegan butter and yummy delicious treats um to help people who are trying to learn to bake or learn to bake as a vegan uh so that was yeah the timing was crazy that it came out so if you're still home trying to bake because you're like stuck in your house that that, that, that would be a good reason to get it
0: <laughs> cool. absolutely i love baked goodies that is just yeah, such my my weakness um, <laughs> So as we think about moving forward, as we think about where you may be going next, do you want to give everyone a little bit of idea of what you think the 20, rest of 2020 will look like for JL? Or if they have to stay tuned, let's make sure they have your website and your social media so that they can stay in touch.
1: Well, for sure, 2020 is going to be, for me, the rest of the year is the year of online cooking classes. I would rather have um, far reach, continue to do what I love to do, and make sure that people have that kind of resource. Uh, The next book that's coming out this fall that I got to work on a book during the pandemic um, is around plant-based eating, and that's going to be surprising for people who've been following me, but it's also because um, plant-based is pretty specific and not really um a diet. And I like that I'm going to get to reframe that a little bit for people. And so I am excited about focusing on that. Uh, that book will come out in the fall. And you know what I think for 2021 is uh, the one thing that has not changed over eight years when I started my business. Mm-hmm. I'm vegan for the animals. I am vegan for people. I am vegan because I believe in justice for all. And that I don't know what 2021 will bring, but I know that whatever I'm doing will be working on behalf of justice for all beings.
0: That is wonderful. So if people want to get in touch with you, where should they go? My
1: website is jlgoesvegan.com and you can find all my classes and information there. You can message me on the um, website and you can watch the pandemic cooking series. Go to jlgoesvegan.com slash classes scroll down and you'll see 15 of the 16 classes
0: perfect well thank you so much for your time today Thank you for everyone who watched us live. If you're watching this as a replay, you can always still put comments in there. We're monitoring it, checking it out. We love for this to be interactive, even if you couldn't join us exactly at the time we were going live, as well as we love likes and hearts and appreciate any time that you can support us and show us that you're enjoying these interview series and obviously enjoying this interview and opportunity for me and hopefully for many of you to get caught up on on everything that JL is doing and how she's making such an amazing impact in the movement and the world. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, JL, one more time. And we will wrap up today's interview. Bye, everyone.